Welcome back to Dev Theory Podcast, a podcast about everything web development. I'm Sean Willis here with our co-host, Isaac Weber. What's going on? What's up, dude? How you doing? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. Went golfing yesterday, got a 58 on the front nine. So it's a, that's about my average score, double bogeying. Feeling good. Nice. Well, you got you got a few pars, a few birdies, right? Or one birdie? Yeah, my dad came down last week, and I got a 51. It was my best score ever. Dang, dude. Nice. Yeah, I was hoping yeah, to break the, the 50s or break the 40s. Golf is, uh, is a tough game, man. I feel like one day you could play out of your mind, and then the next day you're, like, shooting 110. So, yeah, yeah. it's it's tough. But I love it. That's what makes it so fun. It's it's like you never s- stop learning and getting better. It's like there's always some level, next level that you can get to. Yeah, working remote. I woke up at 5 a.m., worked two hours, and then went golfing. People are probably going to give me slack for it. <laughs> That's the life, man. Yeah, maybe you shouldn't say that on this podcast. <laughs> and, then I, and then I went back to work, and then I think I got off at 4 that day but yeah (laughs) basically didn't work at all (laughs) sean's boss just just ignore everything we're saying (laughs) no i got work done man i'm doing a re revamp on a feature called revenue centers and Mm. it dude it's been a massive undertaking where i've worked closely with our back-end guy so much so i'm like man i really just want to do the back-end work and get it done instead of having to ping him every day Cause mm. there's, there's a lot of nuances that he doesn't really find until I'm jumping in on the front end. Right. Of and, course. And like, for instance, right now, like the endpoints missing revenue center ID or IDs, like an array of IDs he to pass in as a parameter right now, he's expecting something that's called location revenue center IDs, which it's more of an association that's happening on the back end. And I have, I don't have access to the IDs on the front end. So it's useless for me. And, but he, he's not going to realize that while he's building in the back end, right? He's, so he, he didn't catch it. And then part of my job is like, okay, Hey, can we update this and get this like our normal, this is not our normal processes. Our normal processes were building something brand new. Right. But this feature didn't get fully thought through on the initial build. So we're having to backtrack a little. Yeah. And that's kind of the game you play with this sort of stuff. It's if you don't like you don't want to take forever coming up with a game plan and like ideating and, you know, taking a whole week just to figure out what you're going to do. But on, on this, well, on the other also, end, it's like, didn't have product team. We didn't have a product team until now. Like we had oh. one, we lost them during COVID and then we were rebuilding right now. So that, that, gotcha. was, that was another thing. Yeah, that's tough. Yeah, it's like there's always that balance in, in software of like you you would love to take all the time in the world to, to plan something out. But at the end of the day, you need to push something out. So, yeah, yeah you kind of work with what you got. It happens often at my company. We We don't have really anybody to support us other than like the other engineers. And so we, we do a lot of like our own designing our own product development, like that sort of thing. So, which is kind of fun. I mean, you have a lot of ownership and and a lot of say in what happens, which is cool, but you know, it's, it's also tough when 
you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. Especially me when I'm only, you know, a month and a half into my job. Yeah. Yeah. How's that going, by the way? It's good. It's good. It's uh, like I said, it's, it, there's a lot of ownership. It, like it's a, it's a relatively early startup. And, and so I have a, a lot of say into what we do on the front end, which is awesome. They, they're very receptive to the ideas and libraries and different things that I'm bringing to them. A lot of the guys that, that I work with have been developers forever. And so they're kind of, I wouldn't say they're stuck in their ways, but they, they just have a way of doing things. Like they're used to a certain way to do things. That's and surprising when you're in a startup. Yeah. I mean, I, th I think they were maybe tired of the, the, the grind of like a, a normal company, you know? And so they all yeah. kind of jump ship and started this, this new thing, yeah. you know, and like there's, there's some, there's a, a level of like wisdom and like grounding that they give me because I'm used to like fast pace, like move things around a lot, like go crazy. But they're, they're, they're a little bit more level headed in that way where it's like, well, let's, you know, take our time a little bit. Let's, let's think about this. And, yeah. and so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think I could get caught up in the, like the exciting new thing, but then they're like, you know, chill a little bit. Let's, let's like yeah. think about this. So yeah, it's, it's good to have that dynamic and, and kind of go back and forth. The, our like Git flow is, is interesting. Like we, we don't, we don't really do like continuous integration. And for those who don't know what that is, it's basically you're, you're always pushing your branches, but they're, they're basically uh, like very short lived branches that are, are continuously getting integrated into production. There's not like a one big uh, branch that gets merged in all at once. And here at Upsara, we, we do things a little bit differently where we'll, we'll kind of, we'll have a, like a test master branch which then we kind of like cherry pick the things we want into master, which that's a little bit of an old school way of doing things. And it's not what I'm used to, which is fine. I mean, it's, it, it feels a little bit more risky because you have to like manually push over what you want. Um, but yeah, it's just another thing that I got to get, get used to, but yeah. Anyway, mm -hmm. the, you know, that's kind of a tangent. Anyway, what are we talking about today, Sean? So we'd mentioned like how to make six figures as a developer. I know we sent out a poll, right and it was like well hey what do you guys even want us to talk about and in our current economy there's a lot of people looking for jobs right we we yeah. i don't know if it was our last podcast episode or the one prior but we mentioned a guy in our network who who was a solid engineer he made the change from a designer got his first legit job he worked for uh, the bird agency that i own as a it's kind of like a side hustle right now to help out the community and he worked for us, did a solid job. And then that gave him confidence to go in and start applying for places. He found a job through his network and, but then lost that job after a year. And uh, we, we gave a shout out to him on our podcast and he was really appreciative. Well, now he's got interviews um, coming in and he, he said he's expecting an offer soon. So shout out to him. Uh, John Riley for hustling. I know it's it's tough out there, man. So a lot of people are looking for like, hey, how can I either secure that first job or how can I find my next one because I just lost one, right? So it's a, the economy is putting us in tough positions for a lot of people. And so that's going to be part of our conversation today is like, well, how do you, if you do find that first job, well, how do you, how do you continue to grow and scale it to where it's a six figure tech job? 
Sean and I have a little bit of experience in in this regard. We both make six, six figures now. And, you know, I think ultimately it does come with time. So I think if you're new to the industry, I would not expect getting six figures out the gate. That's just the reality of it. I mean, some do, I'm sure there's outliers through this, but you actually have a guy in my network who only worked, of a course, year, only worked yeah, a there's... year and was making six figures. So of course. it's not out of the realm of possibility, but what I, what I'm taking from what he's, what Isaac's is saying is like, have a, have a healthy expectation, right? You can, right. it's, it's not going to hurt to ask for it, but sometimes if you, depending on the company too, right? Like that position, your network, it can, it can ultimately help you get a higher salary. And um, so there are tools that you can use available to, to lock in that higher salary. But first, like my first gig, I was, I was getting paid 40,000. I have a family. So making a transition to forklift operating to, to web development was a pretty scary transition. It was six months of no income. My wife, was like taking care of kids in our house. There's like, I think a max of like five kids you can babysit without it being, being an issue. And so that's how we paid our bills. Like that was like our way to survive for the next six months. So it always depends on your situation too, of like, okay, am I going to just wait out for that six figure job or, or, or am I desperate enough to take on a cheaper job just to get in the industry? Cause once you get in, then the next, my next one after eight months was $65,000, which for some people, if they're in a good paying job making 65, it's not going to be as motivating to make a switch to the tech, right? It's like, oh, well, I'm already making that. Why would I switch? And that is true. It's hard. It's harder for people to be motivated to make that switch when they're already making good money. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. And to kind of echo the idea that you know, there, there is some level of expectation that you need to come into the industry and, and realize that you're, you're probably not going to get paid as much as you'd like right out, right out of the gate. I mean, some people do obviously, like Sean said, but the, the idea here is, is to break into the industry. That's the most important part. You know, if, if you do have a job right now that, you know, you, you have a family, you have bills to pay, you can't just like, have no income and, and go do a boot camp. I think a lot of people are in that situation, but they, they want to make more income. They, they're interested in tech. You know, I think for that, those kind of people, uh, you know, I would say do your best to find ways to, to kind of worm your way into the industry while keeping your, your full-time job or, or whatever. Right. So if that means, you know, ultimately at the end of the day, it's going to, it's going to take a little bit more time probably for you to get into the industry and, and to be able to maybe do some moonlighting or some like freelance projects, basically like anything you can do to, to say like, I have tech uh, experience on your resume, whether that is going up to startups, every, almost every single startup there, there, everybody's wearing way too many hats. Right. And so you can go to a startup and say, what do you guys need? Like, I'll do anything as long as it's like somewhat related to tech, like I'll do anything, right? If that's like helping do HTML and CSS on their website, or if that's whatever, right? And and most startups would, I would imagine most people would pay you. Like they're they're not gonna, they, they understand your your circumstance, right? Like I think most people are, are aware of, of like, yeah, like people wanna break into the industry, 
but like they also want they they need someone that is going to provide them value right they they want someone who's going to be able to to produce something i've heard of some people doing that for like a year or years so i would be i would caution on like doing it for like the time frame you should have like a set time frame to where you're not getting taken advantage of for free labor but if you're young like say you're in high school and you're listening to us that's a different story because you don't have a family you don't have bills but you're building up your portfolio i feel like it's that's a different scenario it's like yeah that's fine build out as big a portfolio as you can so when you are old enough and you need to start paying bills you have a massive amount of weight behind you to to build your case right all it is is a portfolio is building credibility in what you can accomplish when you're when you're pitching yourself and your in your skills right you know every, every everybody's situation is different and and it's just techniques to break into the industry right and so uh, you know take that with a grain of salt whatever you can do to to break into the industry you're gonna see that i mean it's I've seen it time and time again, not just with Sean and I, but multiple other people that as soon as you get into the industry, you get your foot in the door, that's really all it takes. And then you can start climbing from there and you're, you'll see your salary start just jumping. So for instance, I started at $36,000 working at an agency and barely scraping by, but that was my first job. That's where I got my foot in the door. And that was thankfully because of Sean, one of my people in my network. So that's another piece. Once you get into that job, you then can stay at that job, I would recommend at least a year, and then jumping to the next job. That is the best way that I've seen to, to increase your salary is to jump shop. I was at like eight months. And yeah. I, I think so I got I got presented with a new opportunity, like one month into that agency job. But I felt like because they took a risk on me that I should be there at least six months to build out some substantial applications for them. For them, it was more of like WordPress stop shops. And so I think I built out about 20 sites for them before I left. So I felt like that was a, enough to give back to them for them uh, taking the big risk on me. Right. So six to eight months, that first or to a year, however, it's, wherever the opportunity is, but I would, I would at least honor that first one as long as you can within that year time frame, right? Giving back to them since they took that risk on you. Yeah. Now, the other thing is if they, if that first company, which it's a very small subset of companies that see the value in growing junior developers, like there was one agency that the, the tech leader is gone now, but he, he saw the value. So after six months, he doubled the developer's income, right? So there, if there's a company out there that's willing to double your income or, or invest in you, and there's tools out there from the age, like that company's providing you ability to continue to learn, uh, it may not make sense to jump ship on that first one. You know what I mean? Like there are some benefits to keeping that first one. The benefit to jumping around in your first early stages is you uh, you learn a bunch of different teams processes and then you can learn what process you like you can start building out okay whenever which provides more value from you to the employer um which i've heard you say isaac uh, there was a situation where your previous company had some tooling 
and some software that y'all were using that was really beneficial to the team. Well, because you had been in that company and then moved, you were able to provide that to the, the current employer, right? So there are benefits to both. It's just figuring out, okay, well, what's my game plan for my career? I know my boss, uh, he's a VP, senior VP now, I think, of hospitality engineering. He was saying that his he spent like 15 years in contract world so that he could jump around and it looks better on it looks better on your your resume as a contractor if you if you continue down that thread of like a year or two you're switching jobs employers look at it's like oh well it was contract work and and they justify it more like so if you get into year five between five and ten years into industry and you're wanting to continue down that thread i've i've heard it said by by upper people that they justify it when they see contract work. So, yeah. And to Sean's point, there's there's pros and cons to both jumping and, and staying. I, I think it really depends on on each company and each circumstance, each person. Uh, for for me in particular, the the first couple of jobs that I had were were kind of in in tech and industries that I didn't really want to be in. For instance, the first job at that when I was making thirty six thousand, that was WordPress. Second job was in like Ruby on Rails and doing like e-commerce stuff. I didn't really want to be in that because I wasn't doing much JavaScript. It was basically HTML and CSS. And my third job is where I actually wanted to like be in terms of the technical space. And that was that was like JavaScript, single page applications. That's where I really cut my my teeth on on being a web developer was at, really at my third job. And and so that that was the reason why I started to jump. And and something to consider when jumping is people will ask you, I've had it multiple times in interviews. People ask me, you seem to have a lot of experience, but you, you seem to, to jump a lot. Like you seem to like every year almost. And, and, and that's true. But some of those jobs that, that I left were actually not because I chose to, but because I was laid off or, you know, I, yeah, I guess that was the main reason I was never fired, but mainly laid off. I think I've been laid off three times in my career. So it's just, it's yeah, just that, one of those things that helps your argument too, because it'll justify the, the change, right? A lot of like, for me, I was for the first two employers, I was going down that route of like every year. So eight months was the first one. I think 19 months was the second one. It was like a year. It was less than two years on the second job at charter spectrum. Right. And so here at it would have been i mean i'm a four-year mark now so i think i'm starting to get out of that um, that thread of like jumping around a ton but at two years it was it was like okay do i stay here or do i look somewhere else right and that would have caused that that question in the interviews of like hey why are you why are you wanting to leave you just got here you know what i mean so it's good that you had a rebuttal to it but it's good for our listeners to be be realizing, hey, after the third company, people are going to start questioning, hey, are you just going to be here a year? You know what I mean? It's hard to build I, something substantial at a startup for only a year, right? You need at least three. And that's what they're looking for, right? They're looking for somebody that they'll stay there to help be committed to building up the, the company. Yeah, for, for sure. But I, I do think people understand as long as you have a solid reason why you might leave a company. For instance, I've left companies before because of a higher salary, but also because 
they had much better benefits and I had a family and that was a big consideration for me mm-hmm. and the benefits were, were significantly better. And so if you can, if you have reasons why you're leaving, it's not just because eh, I was bored of the company and like, whatever, I just wanted a new thing. That might be a red flag to somebody interviewing you. I've heard the money reason is a red flag for people. See, I, that it feels taboo to say that, but ultimately like a lot of that is true. Like I think deep down people understand if you're, if you're have a significant increase in salary, like why wouldn't you take that? Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? (laughs) But yeah, so I, I guess I can speak a little bit more on, on my experience getting to where I'm at now in, so right. I've, for the past couple of years, well, a year and a half ish, I've worked for companies based in California and I'm making 165,000 a year, uh, which is, which is pretty, pretty good for living in Tennessee. Not, not to say that to brag or anything. It's just kind of based on my experience, I'll be able to, to talk on exactly how I got that salary. So previous to making this much, I was actually making 120,000 in, in Nashville at a startup startups joining startups that that's usually a a piece that I've seen gets you a a bigger salary, but that comes with, with risk. So startups are risky. Startups can fail at almost any moment, or you can get laid off at any moment. That's what happened in my last job. So there's, if, if you want a more stable job that might come with less salary, maybe it depends. Um, but where, where I've seen the most increases in salary is because of joining startups and because of joining startups that are based in California or high paying areas. That's, that's usually what you would go for. At this point, I've had enough experience in my career to be able to, to, to get to that point. And so, you know, that, that there's a caveat, like experience does matter in this and, and also having the ability to be remote. Uh, so I was working in Nashville. I had a coworker actually connect me with with a company that was was looking for a senior developer and fully remote based in California startup uh, and and that's how it began it was essentially just somebody reached out and said hey uh, this this job or my coworker reached out to me and said hey there's this job available i think you'd be a good fit and he was actually interested as well and and so i talked to one of the managers there and you know i think maybe a week later i i had the job you know, it was, it was an interview process that was pretty straightforward. They, they had a, a phone screen with me and then they did a, like a code, a code screen where it was like, they gave me an assignment. It was basically a to-do list where I had to use basically any framework I wanted. I ended up using, I think Next.js React and built it within a day. I sent it back, you know, had styles in there. I didn't have a database, but I, I had the full working thing basically. You could search, you could add to-dos, you could remove to-dos, you could update to-dos, blah, blah, blah. And then once I submitted that, they then had a follow-up interview with me to kind of go over my code, say, hey, like, what was, why'd you do it this way? Like, what what were you thinking with this? Blah, blah, blah. And then also asked me questions of like, what would you do in this scenario? What would, like, what is, like, how does JavaScript work or whatever? You know, I don't, I don't remember exactly what they interviewed me on. But then finally I got the offer. And, and then started shortly after that. And then the, the next job that I've gotten, I was actually laid off from that previous job. And we had, a, a I think, one of our previous episodes, we talked about that. Uh, but then I was able to actually find another job due to my connections in, a, in another startup environment, very similar to the last one, based in California, same salary, 
same kind of situation where I'm a front end developer. This startup's a little bit newer. And so maybe the, the process was a little bit less refined. I didn't even have to do like a coding challenge. It was just, Hey, here's an, uh, some questions, some scenario questions. What would you do in this situation? And then that ended up leading to me being hired. So yeah, that, that was the scenario. And that's where I was, I've able to see like the biggest jumps in my salary were because of those situations of either networking, uh, people that have recommended me to jobs, it being remote, it being in California. Uh, a lot of those things kind of came together to be able to give me this salary. So yeah, that's that. Good deal, man. Yeah, I broke into the six figures from this current role because of raises and, and bonuses. So it was a progression, um, which was interesting because I started out, I think it was like 95. And then over the four years, I started breaking into the six figures. So that's another route too. If you find a solid company that, I mean, they're a multi-billion dollar company, so they're somewhat stable and you see growth opportunity there. You also see like the team you're with, you can learn a ton from, and they're offering a lot of resources. Once you get into that role, yeah, just finding ways to add a ton of value back to the team. Yeah, for sure. And, and Sean and I come from, from different sides of the coin, you know, like he was able to stay in his company and then build into that, which, which is another great way of, of doing it because he was able to, to continue to learn, continue to progress his career and, and then get to that point. Right. Whereas me, like I, I got, you know, yanked around into different companies where finally I was able to kind of like settle into that, that salary. And, and so I think there's, there's some level of tolerance that, that you might have for that sort of thing. If, if your level of tolerance is, or your risk tolerance is low, then maybe don't join a startup and maybe try to leverage joining a, a big corporation that can get you to that point and, and grow your salary through years of years of being there and bonuses and, and whatnot. So there's, yeah, there's a bunch of ways to skin the cat, um, a bit, but ultimately it does come with experience. It does come with with kind of being able to sell yourself and leverage uh, your your experience and, and what you know and saying like fighting for your salary because ultimately, you know, unless your company has a really good structure of, of reviews and performance reviews and things like that to be able to say, okay, now you're at this point and now you're at this point. But unfortunately, a lot of companies kind of forget to do that um, because of course they want people to, to continue to work at the same amount of money they're making. But fight, fight for yourself. Like it's, it's totally normal to, to go to your manager, your boss and say like, Hey, I've been here this many years. I've done this many things. Like I, I think I should get this much or whatever, you know, negotiate. I've not really had to do that because I've been able to just move jobs, but yeah, I mean, to each their own. <laughs> yeah. I recently just had, I ended up doing that here recently and it worked out to where they gave me a, a raise and a bonus because of me able to build a case, right? And the case was essentially like um, showing where I took ownership, the value that I provided, and where I see it going from here, right? Having, whenever you're with an employer for a long time, you need to have a career path for that company that you're wanting to continue, that shows that you're wanting to continue with them and what that career path looks like so that they can kind of help move you along in that regards, whether it happens exactly the way that you kind of planned or envisioned is, is a different conversation, but you need to have something in place when you go to ask for that raise of like, Hey, this is where I envision my career in the next five to 10 years at this company. 
if I were to continue down working for you. And these are the ways that I see that I want to get there. Right. And that's essentially what I provided and it worked. So it could work for you. I know that the questions we asked though, were how to get a job in 2023. So let's, let's spend a tad bit of time addressing that. And then we'll answer the side projects question or topic for next, next episode. We could make a a whole episode on the side projects thing. You know, I think the, as, as far as getting a job in 2023, you know, I, we've, we've talked about the getting a job in, in general, kind of in multiple episodes of leveraging networks, you know, being able to, to provide value through, through, you know, your, if you don't have experience that, that would be through side projects or, or maybe, you know, working in a capacity that's maybe not a full-time job, but, you know, trying to do anything to, to say, I know what I'm doing and I provide value. Yeah. Um, if you live and, in, if you live in Murfreesboro area, come to, uh, go to borough.dev and that'll send you to a meetup link. And then it'll show you all the activities that are happening in our area. And you'll get to meet the developers in the community. If there is, if you're not close to Murfreesboro, Tennessee, then go to uh, meetup.com. If you're outside of the U.S., find local, I'm sure there, I don't know if meetup.com is global. I think it might just be U.S.-based. But if you're outside the U.S., then look for maybe even just Google local developer meetups and see where all the developers are meeting. You need to get to, to use a Grant Cardone quote. He says, contacts are contracts, which is a funny quote, but it's a it's true. The You need to get around people that are in the industry. If you don't have a job in development and you're trying to get your first one or you're trying to get your second or third, you need to meet people and you need to get in front of those people that could hire you. And you do that through developer meetups. So that's that's one way. Yeah, and it's a little bit of a cop-out answer, but ultimately, no matter what the market is, these principles will still apply. It, it will be tougher and you're gonna have to maybe grind a little bit harder in a market like this given the the competition, but ultimately people, people are going to be more interested in you. If, if they can kind of put a face to the name, if they have people that are referring you, if just getting people to know you more as a person, as a, as someone who is quality in terms of soft skills, in terms of, of values, in terms of your experience, even if you don't have like legitimate, like industry experience, you might have experience in other ways, right? Like try to leverage as much as you can, uh, no matter the market. So if that, that could be literally, I've gotten jobs from, from people that are, you know, my experience wasn't that much, but they, they, they liked how I communicated. They liked how I presented myself. They, they, I answered questions well. I, I asked questions well. Like what, whatever that you can do to stand out, do that because that you believe it or not, a lot of times people will find jobs. They'll find their way in this industry without having a ton of experience, but they can leverage their soft skills. They can leverage something else. They, they maybe they have at their previous position they were a logistics manager or something like that. Like you, leverage that. Just. Don't, don't discredit any of your past experience because a lot of times that's going to transfer to where you're going. So use anything you got. Yep, exactly. I've had a handful of people that come to the developer meetup 
didn't have any experience and then get developer jobs because of the network in the group. So, all right, well, let's wind this down. You got anything else to add before we close her down? Nope. That's good. Awesome. Thanks again for listening to Dev3 Podcast. I'm Sean Willis here with our co-host Isaac Weber. If you like this show, leave us a review and share it with your friends. If you're a tech company or an individual that's wanting to sponsor us, you can email us at sponsorship at devtheorypodcast.com. Thanks again.